0: Hey, good morning, everybody. It is another Monday and coming at you with an early edition of NBA Breakdown today. I uh, got all the research done and it's a full day of work coming up here. So wanted to get this info out and maybe we'll even jump on some lines here before they move more. I uh, had a good week, pretty good week last week, ended up, you know, five and a half units or so up. Started the week last week, four, four plus units down. So we'll we'll hope for a better Monday here. Getting interesting as we move toward the end of the season. Um, Obviously, there are some teams that really need to win. There are others that are trying to lose. I do think one thing that we want to be careful of, though, I noticed that this in baseball, and I'm curious if it'll be the same in basketball, but just because a team doesn't need to win doesn't mean that none of them are going to try. And it doesn't mean that the teams that need to win automatically are going to. I mean, there are some teams right now that are really struggling, Miami, Chicago, Cleveland are some of the ones that come to mind. And even though they really do need to win uh, to help their seeding in the playoffs, it doesn't mean they're going to be able to come out and do it when they've proved for a couple weeks straight that they're just really struggling as teams. So we do want to take these things into account. Definitely going to talk about them, but also want to be careful about overplaying those things. Obviously, we're on the, you know, going for the Nuggets today. We'll talk about whether we're on them, but, you know, Pro Nuggets Day. So uh, let's jump in. This is NBA Breakdown Monday, March 28th. First up, we have the Hawks at the Pacers. Atlanta minus seven and a half, 234 and a half total. This is a game where I don't really like either team. I said, I don't know, sometime in the last week that I wouldn't be betting Indiana against the spread anymore this year, and I'm going to stick to that. This is just a team that I can't trust at all. Who knows if they're going to show up, and honestly, even when they've kind of showed up, they just haven't been good most of the time. So I don't favor the Pacers versus anybody but with hardly any spread. Maybe if they were like plus 20 <laughs> against somebody. Even then, though, sometimes they lose by that much, so can't trust them, but I, I did also say that there would be times where I wasn't going to take the other side either. So let's talk about if today is one of those. Atlanta comes in with two days of rest. They're 5-7 and seven against the spread this year on two days of rest. Collins is still out. Bogdanovich and Gallinari are also game-time decisions. For Indiana, Brogdon, Duarte, Jackson, all out. Batadze, and actually Miles Turner is a game-time decision, which was uh, very surprising to me. And actually right now it looks to me like he's listed as probable. So we may get some Miles Turner back. My guess would be like anyone coming back from a a long-term injury, his minutes would be limited. So I don't know how much we can count on his impact, but he certainly would help Indiana defensively. They've struggled so much defensively, and to have any kind of rim protection at all would be a significant upgrade for them. So if Turner can play and give them some minutes, I think that's a significant positive in in Indiana's column compared to where they've been. Over the last 14 games, Atlanta has been worse on the road, uh, and they're on the road today. At home, their offensive rating's been 121.3, which is phenomenal. But on the road, only 111.5. Meh, kind of okay. You know, not terrible, not great. Defensive rating at home, 115.7. On the road, 117.6. So we're talking about a 12-point swing between offensive and defensive rating over the last 14 for Atlanta. Just not as good on the road. Indiana, on the other hand, has actually been better at home. Their offensive rating has been 119.1. At home, 111.8 on the road. Defensive rating, 115.9. At home, 120.8 on the road. So we're talking a 15-point swing between offensive and defensive rating for Indiana um, at home versus on the road. I I don't want to overplay these, but putting those two together, we're talking about nearly a 30-point swing between these two teams in this specific situation tonight. So all of that said... This is a spot where I am absolutely not touching Atlanta either. Um, I actually find myself leaning toward Indiana as I push into the numbers, and I'm gonna stick to what I said, and I'm not gonna pick in, you know, I'm not gonna put money on Indiana. If I had to make a play here, it actually would be Indiana and the points. But I'm again, I'm staying away. I line this game 119 117 Indiana. So that gives us 236 for the total. It's a 234 and a half right now. Definitely. Um, that is not a total that I'm interested in. Um, not enough breathing room. So this is a game that I'm personally staying away from completely. Um, you know, if you're interested in Indiana already, I would, I'd lean that way with you, but just, I also can't, (laughs) I can't affirm trusting Indiana at this point in the season to cover anything against anyone. So first game of the day is a full on pass for me. Next up, we have the Magic at the Cavs, Cleveland minus eight and a half and a 217 total. This is an interesting one because while Orlando has not been winning and they're definitely not a good team, Cleveland hasn't been a good team recently either. Um, Orlando's score has only scored over 105 in three out of their last 10. This is their big struggle is that they just can't score the basketball. They've scored under 100 in three out of their last 10. I mean, to be under 100 Three out of 10, that's that's pretty rough. However, on the other side, they have played reasonably good defense. They've allowed 105 to 110 a lot of the time over the last 10. There are outliers on either side, under 100, up near 120, one or two times, but but the majority are in that 105 to 110 range. Their offensive rating, their away from home, has just been atrocious. It's 101.2 over the last 14 Defensive rating of 109.7, so neither of those is phenomenal, and the offense is certainly very bad. But if we look at the Cleveland side, over the last 10, they've scored around 105 about half the time, and then 115 about half the time. There hasn't been a lot of in-between. They only scored 94 in their last game against Chicago, and recently... Chicago has been a pretty bad defense. So scoring 94 against them and losing that game. And this is one of those places where I would say, you know, we talk about teams that need to win and certainly Cleveland and Chicago both needed to win that game and neither of them showed up offensively. I think that was two teams that are struggling tremendously right now going up against each other and Chicago squeaked it out. So, Cleveland was completely unimpressive. Now, Cleveland has been a little bit better at home over their last 14. Offensive rating, two points better. It's been 114.1. That's reasonably good. Defensive rating, though, 117. I mean, it's three points better, th- almost four points better than it's been away from home, but 117 is not a good defensive rating. So, right now, the Cavs are in the seven spot. They've fallen down into the play in. They really need to win but I don't think they're going to be able to get out of the plane at this point. Anyway, Toronto is a game up on them now and Brooklyn is coming from underneath too. I think Brooklyn's only a game back of them for the seventh spot. So I think it's Toronto and Brooklyn fighting it out for that six spot. And I think Cleveland's going to just completely fall out of contention for it. I mean, they'll obviously stay. Uh, they'll obviously stay in the play in, but I just don't see them doing a lot. So this is a game where I don't expect a lot of offense. I lined it as 108-99 Cleveland, but even there, I feel like I'm being kind of generous to Cleveland with that. I, I could definitely see it being 105-100 to 100 or something. So I'd stay away from the spread personally where it is now. Now, Orlando was 10.5. I think I may have even bet them at plus 10.5, but at 8.5, I'm not quite as as sold on it. Even at a low total of 217, I'm interested in the under here, though. Orlando can't score, and defensively, Orlando's been okay. So uh, it's not my favorite play on the slate by any means, but if there's anything I'd lean toward here, it would be the under between these two teams who are just both not real good right now. All right, now we get to my nuggets. Well, I say my nuggets. It's true that the Timberwolves are my favorite team, but I lived in Denver for 20 years and uh, definitely have come to be a Nuggets fan as well. So, you know, it's number two. Having them competing against each other right now for positioning isn't the best, but, you know, they don't both play today. So we'll just talk about Denver. Charlotte comes in on a back-to-back. Had a big win against the Nets yesterday. That actually really surprised me. I was on the Nets minus six there. I thought the Nets were going to kind of continue to keep their foot on the gas heading toward the end of the season here, and, and Charlotte came out and beat them. So props to them. That was a great win. However, on back-to-backs, they're 3-10 and 10 against the spread, which is league-worst. Uh, when we look at Denver, Denver's been inconsistent scoring over their last 10. It's been more good than bad, but Denver is a team that's a little bit hard to get a read on offensively because they just aren't consistent, and the same is true on defense. They've given up somewhere around 110 a lot, uh, like 107 to 113 is half the time, 5 out of the last 10 but they have given up 120 or more in five out of their last 12 as well. And Charlotte is a team that we know can put up a lot of points. The question is if they will, because there are also times where they just really don't. Um, it's a small sample because Denver's played at home a lot lately. I think they've only had four games in their last 14 that have been away from home. But they have been better defensively. 108.7 defensive rating uh, away versus 120.5 at home. So that's, I mean, obviously a very significant difference. Uh, so maybe a good thing for them going on the road today. Charlotte's 7-3 and three over their last 10. I'm going to be honest, that surprised me a little bit. I have not looked positively at Charlotte. And so realizing that they had that kind of record over their last 10... Uh, actually surprised me. Now, in their last three games, they've only scored 107, 106, and 106. And this is what I'm talking about. Charlotte is a team that can score a ton before those three. They had 129, 116, 134, 142. Like, they were going off. And now they've had three games in a row where they haven't scored very well at all. And obviously some of that is the defense that they're going up against, who they're playing. But you can't trust them, really, on either side of the ball. Their defense has been pretty decent, um, under 110 and four out of the last five. But again, before that, over 115 in five straight games. So which Charlotte team is going to show up? Charlotte's also been playing a ton at home, 10 out of their last 14. Not a big deal, but just saying they've been kind of settled there for a while now. And uh, home has not necessarily been better for them. Their offensive rating at home over the last 14 games, 118.2 on the road, 125.9. So seven points worse at home. Their defensive rating about a point and a half better. This one, if we look at kind of motivation and seeding and that kind of stuff, Denver is fighting to stay out of the play-in now. Um, Let me pull up the standings here. So Denver is a game and a half up on the Timberwolves for the sixth spot and a game behind the Jazz for the fifth spot. Well, and actually the Mavericks. Jazz and Mavericks are tied at 4-5. So the Nuggets actually have an opportunity here to potentially even move up to five or even to four and get that home court advantage. It's not the most likely outcome, but it's possible. And they do need to keep winning. The Timberwolves have had a rough schedule, but I think if the Timberwolves can get to some easier games again, they could close out the season well, and so the Nuggets need to keep winning to make sure and stay out of the play-in. Charlotte, on the other hand, they're pretty locked into the play-in at this point. They're in the eighth spot. Uh, but they're two and a half games back of the Cavaliers for seven and three and a half back of the Raptors for six. So they're not getting up to this spot. So if anybody should have more motivation here, it should be Denver. But again, we're not going to put all our eggs in that basket. To me, the big thing here is Charlotte's inconsistent. They don't generally play well on back-to-backs and Denver's been better on the road. So I put this at 118-108 Denver. I could see it being a higher scoring game than that. And so even though for me, that would speak to the under. My total I put at 226. I'm going to stay away from that total because I definitely can see it being higher scoring. But I do like Denver. I took Denver here for a unit. I think I might have taken them at minus three and a half. Even now it looks like there's minus three out there. So I think that's a relatively good spot for today. Next up we have the Bulls at the Knicks. Chicago minus four, 221 total. So the Knicks come in on a back-to-back and they actually are a league-best 7-3 and three against the spread on back-to-back. So we're going to get back to them, but let's talk about Chicago first. There's no way around it. I mentioned this with when I talked about Cleveland. Chicago's been bad lately. Just really bad. Like, I mean, their greatest accomplishment in the last couple of weeks is they beat Cleveland in a game where they scored 98 points. Just pretty atrocious. Um, this is their fourth game of a five-game road trip um their highest scoring game in the last 10 is 114 points I mean this is a Chicago team that earlier in the season was regularly putting up over 120 and their offense is just struggling I've talked almost every day about some of why I think that is again so much hinges on DeMar DeRozan and how well he's shooting and how well he's playing offensively so he's a good player I mean he'll he'll come back around some Chicago will be kind of okay but Uh, It's been rough lately. Uh, Six of their last 10 games have been 106 points or less. They've only had two in their last 10 over 110. Just not solid offensively at all. The defense has been very up and down. They did have three of the last 10 where they held teams under 100, but two of those were against Cleveland. The other was Toronto, but so, yeah, they have Cleveland's number, but Cleveland's been pretty crappy. I don't know how much we can read into that. Five of their last 10, they've allowed over 120 points, and that's been against pretty good offensive teams, Pelicans, Bucks, Suns, Jazz, who have been bad, and 76ers. So you could forgive them a little bit for giving up a lot of points against those teams, but all of them over 120, just not real great. They have been better at home. They're on the road. So three points better offensive rating at home. And the big one is their defensive rating at home, 107.3. This is over the last 15 games. Defensive rating on the road, 120.7. So we are talking about a 16-point swing. Offensive and defensive rating between home and road for Chicago, so this is not a good spot for them. The Knicks on the other side, I mean, certainly we know that this isn't isn't a team we can really trust. Uh, They get big leads. They give up those leads. They play well for a while. They play terrible for a while. Uh, They don't have anything left to play for. So there's not going to necessarily be a lot of motivation there. Uh, I mean, just in their last 10 games, their high is 131 points against Sacramento, low of 93 against Utah. Although that was their only game in the last 10, under 100. But just to say, a lot of up and down for the next scoring. (laughs) Their defense has been decent. They've uh, held opponents under 110 points in seven out of their last 10. Um, The most they've given up is 118, and that was to Memphis, and Memphis is absolutely rolling. So that's not too bad. The Knicks earlier in the season were a very good defensive team, and then they went through a swing where they were not a good defensive team. And I think it makes sense that they're somewhere in between. They're a moderately good defensive team. Now, the question of whether they'll show up today or not is one that's uh, pretty hard to answer. (laughs) So at this point, it's unlikely the Bulls slip into the play-in, but it's not impossible. And so they really do need to win. But this is a team that's just been so bad, and the Knicks have been playing okay. It's weird for me to say, but even at this spot, if I had to trust one of these teams, it would be the Knicks. I actually lined this game 113-107 New York winning. Now, (laughs) you'd say, well, why the hell aren't you going to bet it if if you think the Knicks win by six? The reason is just this end-of-the-season stuff. Like, to know what the Knicks are actually going to show up and do is tough. I I still may bet the Knicks, actually. I'm definitely considering it. But one thing for sure, like Indiana, right now I would not bet the Bulls. Now, they may come back around and be bettable again, but to me they're unbettable right now. So this is either a pass for me, you know, like an MMA dogger pass. Uh, To me it's the Knicks or nothing. And then I'd stay away from the total too. I mean, Chicago is scoring so poorly. Um, yeah, but I wouldn't want to take the under either. So that's where I'm at on this game. Next up is a really interesting one. Celtics. I mean, the Celtics have just been freaking amazing. I mean, maybe some of y'all saw this coming. Um, I thought the Celtics could be okay. Halfway through the year they were struggling and I thought, ah, they'll come around a little bit, you know, they'll be middle of the pack in the East But, man, this this looks like the the second-best team in the league after the Suns. And, man, if they can play the kind of defense they've been playing, even a team that could give the Suns a challenge, I mean, the Celtics have just been incredible. Now, the the thing here is that Robert Williams is going to be out for this game, vying for Defensive Player of the Year, and one of Boston's biggest strengths is that their defense has been so locked down. And so Williams being out definitely does affect them. However, it might not be as much as you think. Their defensive rating with Williams in this year is 107, and without him, it's 109. So season long, the difference hasn't been absolutely massive. And their offensive rating is actually a point and a half better without him. Now, Horford may be out as well. So that's another big that would be out. And then you start to get really thin in the front court against a Toronto team that has quite a bit of size. So that does make things more tricky here. Also, I think this line has moved to minus four for Toronto because Tatum is a game time decision now. And so I think that line is like Vegas leaning toward him not playing. When Williams got announced out, the line moved to, I think Toronto, maybe it was like a pick or a minus one. So I think they might think that Tatum's going to be out. Gary Trent and Fred Van Vliet are both game time decisions here as well. So we just have a lot of personnel things up in the air right now. OG is playing, which we've talked about before, that that's big um, for Toronto. Boston's on a back-to-back here. They're 5-7-1 and one against the spread on back-to-backs. If you go back their last four or so, it's like 2-2. Two and two, You know, I mean, they haven't been awesome, but they haven't been terrible. <clears throat> yeah, I even wrote down their last four here. They won by nine, they lost by 21, they lost by one and they won by 10. So I mean the minus 21 feels like an outlier a little bit. Um, and this time, they are at a back to back, but before playing Minnesota yesterday, they had had three days of rest. So it's it's a team that should be fairly rested. And Boston's just been going off lately. They've scored 124 or more excuse me, in five straight games. So yes, they're an awesome defensive team, but they've been absolutely flooring it offensively as well. They've allowed 112-97. They allowed 123 to Oklahoma City. That's really the outlier lately, but that was a game where they got up big in the first half, and then they just put it on cruise control and coasted to the end. Um, And so I don't think that's indicative of who they are defensively at all. 104-97-88-95-103. I mean... The offense and the defense have been absolutely nuts. I think it's hard to overstate the kind of run that Boston's been on here. Their last 14 away from home, their offensive rating's been 123.8, just way up there. Defensive rating 111.5, which is is okay. Um, Toronto on the other side now, their last two, they've been good. They beat Indiana by 40. I mean, beating anyone in the NBA by 40 is great. It is also Indiana. And they beat Cleveland by 13. I've just been talking about how bad I think Cleveland is right now. Uh, Not that they can't, whatever. We talked about it. I don't need to talk about Cleveland again. But those two wins to me are good. Like, not crazy impressive. They're good. They have scored either under 100 or over 115 a lot. This is another one of those weird teams where it seems like either they struggle tremendously on offense or they just kill it on offense. Makes it hard to read. And defensively similar, they give up around 104 or 113 a lot of the time. It's like this 10-point spread. Their last 14, um, their offensive rating at home has been 118.8 versus 112.4 away, so definitely better at home offensively. 111.8 defensive rating, so similar to what Boston has been on the road. In terms of where these teams sit in the standings, there's motivation here for both. Boston's now tied for the number one seed in the East, I would think they would be motivated to want to go get that number one seed, And so they're going to have to keep winning, especially to hold off Philadelphia. I don't think Miami's going to get the number one, but Philadelphia could. So they need to keep winning. Um, Toronto just got to six. They got out of the play-in. I'm assuming they want to stay out of the play-in. So they're going to want to continue to win, too. Initially with Robert Williams in, I thought this was a good spot for Boston. I mean, almost every spot is good for Boston anymore. But with Williams out and potentially Horford, I do think that changes things, especially against a Raptors team that has a lot of size. So this game, to me, feels like a, almost a pick-em. Um, I, I, I favored Boston by a couple points, even without Williams and Horford, but I think it's close. So I actually bet this game uh, on the money line when the Celtics got to plus 105. Obviously, I wish I had waited now as it's up to like plus 140 or 145 now. I just think if you get plus money on the Celtics' money line against anyone except maybe Phoenix, unless they're sitting everyone, I think it's worth a shot. So I don't think this is a bad spot for Toronto. I definitely could see them winning here. But if I was going to take something, I would take, um, I would take the Celtics plus the four. And then I would take the over. Both of these teams have been decent on defense, but they both... Can put up a lot of points as well, so I haven't played the over yet, but I'm definitely going to consider that. When Boston's been scoring 120 plus in every game, I'm not saying they're going to do that to Toronto, but even if they get to 110, 112, you're looking good at a 212 and a half total. So that's probably my favorite play on this game. Uh, I'll probably go and play that after this is over, but it should be an interesting game. <laughs> Next up, we have the Kings at the Heat. And I'm scared of myself here again because I'm thinking about betting the Kings. Actually, I think I did at plus 14 already. So I'll talk about why uh, the Kings let you, let me down, let everybody down all the time. But this feels incredibly wide to me. We'll start with Sacramento. Uh, yeah, their scoring's not awesome, but it's also not terrible. They're under 102 out of their last 10. But 110 to 119 in five out of their last 10, it's not so bad. And over 120 in two out of their last 10. So, yeah, sometimes they don't show up offensively, but sometimes they do. Now, they did allow 126 or more in three out of their last 10, and that was to the Knicks, the Jazz, and the Bucks. All okay offenses. Milwaukee can be a great offense, but the others aren't. However, they did hold teams under 110 in four out of their last 10. That was Denver, which is good. Chicago, not good right now. Indiana, which they can score. And Orlando, we talked about how they don't score. So, you know, not phenomenal. But hey, they came out and had a decent defensive effort against those teams. They also have been better away over their last 14. Their offensive rating, uh, well, offensively, yeah, four points better. Offensive rating, four points better. Defensive rating. So in totality, an eight-point swing, offensive-defensive rating combined for Sacramento on the road. Miami is in a terrible stretch here. They've been, it's been ugly lately. I mean, they got beat by the Golden State Warriors, sitting people, and the Warriors are getting, the Warriors got beat by the Wizards last night. Uh, that's, That's a bad loss. And they've had numerous bad losses lately. Like, this is a team that looks really bad. They, Cleveland, and Chicago, I think, are all teams that can be good teams, but are not good right now. So they've scored under 100 in two out of their last 10, but under 110 in seven out of 10. They've allowed 110 or more in six out of 10 and four straight. The spread being 13 here, I went and looked at how often has Miami won by 14 or more. They've done it in three out of 16 games since the All-Star break, but they haven't done it for nine games in a row now. Won a game by 14 or more. So you feel like this should be a get-right spot for Miami. They're playing Sacramento. Sacramento, we know, is not a good team. They're without Fox. They're without Sabonis. But, man, these these other guys just tend to show up some. And I don't know if there is a get-right spot for Miami right now. I mean, I could definitely see them squeaking out a win here maybe they win by 20 and just prove me totally wrong but um but they've just been so bad lately and so i can't side with miami for the time being i actually lined this as sacramento winning the game 113 to 109 that might be crazy vegas you know is almost never that wrong so it's more likely that i'm that wrong but oh it scares me to say sacramento plus 13 i think is a good spot today uh, I, I already took 14. I would take 13. I would take this down to, I would take it down to like 10 or 11 and I might even sprinkle the money line. Oh, there's that sprinkle word. Everybody likes to sprinkle things. Uh, I might take a little on the money line. I haven't done it, but I'm thinking about it. And then in terms of the total, I'll just stay away. Miami might score hundred points here. Sacramento might too. Uh, so the total is a stay away for me. All right, we got three games left. Next up is the Spurs at the Rockets. San Antonio up to minus seven now. Started out minus six, 234 and a half total. We get what's going on here, right? Houston's a bad defense. San Antonio's not a great defense. San Antonio has the potential to score a lot. Houston does once in a while, but their offense isn't as good as you think it would be. That's sort of the overview. To dive into it a little more directly, San Antonio has scored less than I would have expected lately. Six out of 10, actually 110 or less. But they have scored 120 or more in three out of their last 10. So there there are still games where they're putting up a lot. And Houston's one of the games where you'd expect that to happen. Um, They've also given up a lot of points uh, in most of their games. The last three they've done well, 103, 96, and 108. But before that, they were giving up a lot. Specifically, though, I went and looked at how have they scored against bad defenses because Houston's a bad defense. And recently they've scored 133, 122, 139, 108, 117, 130. So other than that 108, they've been putting up close to 120 plus against bad defenses. Um, How many points have they allowed against bad offenses? Because I would say Houston's a relatively bad offense. 96, 108, 120, 102, 130. So they have had a couple games where they gave up a lot, but been decent. They also have been better on the road in their last 14. Their offensive rating is nine points better on the road, and defensive rating is three better, so a 12-point swing between the two. Good spot for the Spurs, I think. And the Spurs need to win. They're a game back of the Lakers for the last play-in spot. We know that the Lakers are pretty terrible right now. So if San Antonio can put together a little run, I definitely think they can move up and take that spot. But they need to win. Uh, We're getting down to the end here, and they need to win. Uh, So I think this is a good spot for them. Houston, their recent numbers look a little better because they beat Portland twice in the last two games, but who isn't going to beat Portland twice? Uh, Portland is absolutely horrendous and the team that is in full-on tank mode more than any other in the league. (laughs) So, not very impressive. Um, Houston's defense has been kind of okay, but again, some of that came against Portland. um, You know, 98 and 106. Before that, they gave up 120 or more in 6 out of 7. I think it's likely they revert to that here, even though their defensive rating at home has been 114.8. It's not good. It's not horrendous. Um, but yeah, we, we just don't have a good Houston team here. And the Spurs, they aren't getting McDermott back, but it looks like Vassal might play. That's helpful for them. Lonnie Walker's a game time decision, so they might get him back as well. Um, I think this is a good spot for San Antonio. I lined it as 124-113, so that's a nine-point win. I still like San Antonio at minus seven, I think especially if you can get that before it moves to seven and a half. I don't think that's a bad spot. In terms of the total, again, it's a stay away for me. I can see Houston coming out and only putting up like 110, and then you really need the Spurs to go off. So for me, stay away from the total. Definitely wouldn't take the under. Um, And you could consider the Spurs team total over here, I think. (laughs) That might not be a terrible look. All right. Next up, we move on to the Warriors at the Grizzlies. The Warriors, who I would lump in that category with Miami, Chicago, Cleveland Cleveland right now, uh, potentially good teams who are not good at the moment. Golden State comes in on a back-to-back after losing to Washington yesterday, losing to one of the worst teams in the league, and now they got to play one of the best teams in the league. Golden State's 7-5 and against the spread on back-to-backs and it looks like Draymond Porter and Thompson might all be out again they're all game time decisions so we might be without those three Morant is out which beat the drum every day who cares (laughs) bring it on Memphis's defense is sick when Morant is out and their offense is still good so I'll actually take be more positive toward Memphis with Morant out even though I won't mind when he comes back he's fun to watch Clark and Jackson are both game time decisions. That definitely matters. That's uh, two really good players, Uh, good interior players, rebounding, some scoring who might be out for Memphis. So I think that's worth watching because that's a significant loss if both of those guys sit. This is Golden State's third game in four days and the last one on a road trip. They also have to go play Phoenix in two days, which might be another reason for some of these guys to sit to try to get healthy before they go play Phoenix I don't know if it'll matter. I don't think they have the firepower to beat Phoenix no matter who's playing right now unless Steph comes back and goes off, which he won't be. Um, Lately, Golden State's lost to Washington, Atlanta, Orlando, San Antonio. (laughs) Gross. That is really bad for a team that should be good. Um, Their defensive rating away from home, 118.8 over their last 14 games. Again, not good. So there's really nothing looking good on the Golden State side here. Memphis, on the other hand, they've scored 120 or more in 7 out of 10 and 4 straight. Without Morant, they're still scoring like crazy. They've allowed 102, 103. They did have a 120, but 98, 102. I mean, this is a defense that's just going off, especially when Morant's not playing. So this game doesn't matter too much for either team. Um Memphis is now four games up on Golden State for the number two seed. The Warriors are only two games up on Dallas. And um, let's see, it's not just Dallas. Should have all this stuff memorized by now. Oh, uh, yeah, it is just Dallas. They're two games up on for the number three seed. So honestly, the Warriors could keep fading here and fall to number four or maybe even number five. That would be quite a fall, but it's possible. You think they should show up, but especially if Clark and Jackson play here, I think Memphis stomps them. I have 118-102. So I like Memphis minus 10.5. I haven't bet it. This is another one of those where I'm thinking about betting Memphis's team total over, the Warriors' team total under. But I may just go in a little bit, you know, a unit on Memphis minus 10.5, especially if those guys are ruled in. It potentially should be a, a really good spot for Memphis and another bad one for the Warriors. All right, last game of the day. Two teams full on tank mode, uh, the Thunder and the Blazers. I do think there's a little bit interesting, though. As interesting as a game could be between two teams that have nothing to play for and are tanking as hard as they can. We got Shea, Favors, Williams all out for Oklahoma City. Portland, just everyone is out. Um, Yeah, like they don't really have anyone playing anymore. And I think that's going to be the rest of the season. They're just going to sit down all their guys. So in the Battle of the Tankers, (laughs) here's what I'm looking at. Shea's been out the last few games. And you remember earlier, we had this uh, run, I think it was like 9, 10 straight games, where the Thunder didn't score more than 104 points when Shea didn't play. But that's not quite the case so much anymore. They actually have been able to score, okay, 107 against Denver and 118 against Orlando, which, again, Orlando hasn't given up a ton of points most of the time. And so I think Oklahoma City actually can come out here and score some points against Portland. Um they've allowed Portland's allowed 115 or more in every game since the All-Star break. So this is a long run now where they're they're giving up 115 or more. This is Portland's fourth game in 6 days. Again, they have pretty much everybody out. They just lost two to Houston and really got crushed in both of those games. Um Yeah, I mean, there's not a ton to say. I guess I would just say I think Portland's defense is worse than Oklahoma City's offense, even without Shea. So I think Oklahoma City comes out here and does put up more than 115 points. And Portland maybe comes out and scores a little bit too. Oklahoma City's defense has been pretty bad lately. Um, 120 or more points given up in 11 out of their last 16 games since the All-Star break. But Portland doesn't have many people to score either. So I would put this game at like Oklahoma City 119, Portland 111, something like that. So Oklahoma City minus two. I do think there's a little bit of value there. I think there's some value on Oklahoma City's team total over in this one. um, As I I think their team totals at 116. So they just have to score one more than the least Portland's given up since the All-Star break. All right, that takes us all the way through the slate for today. Again, there's some interesting spots. It's getting a little tricky to cap some of this stuff, but hopefully there were some things in there that gave you a little bit of direction in terms of the spots you're feeling best about. Again, as always, my picks are on BetStamp. I may be adding some things as the day goes along. And uh, hit me up on Twitter if you haven't seen the link for that and want to get the link. Appreciate all you guys. I uh, hope it's a great day for you. Let's Let's go make some money, and I will see you on Twitter.